Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Joining us today is Sam Rutherford, senior writer. Hey, Sam. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, This is a super geeky episode because, uh, honestly, I'm a little tired about talking about all the Apple stuff, but there's one more thing. There are a couple more things we can talk about. So there was the great iFix's teardown of the iPhone 14 and 14 Pro Max. So I want to talk about the 14 especially and why it's so cool that it's so repairable. And also, NVIDIA finally announced their new RTX 4000 series GPUs, and those are just super exciting, although I really wonder who who are they actually for? As always, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Drop us an email, podcastandgadget.com, and you can join us live Thursdays around 10 a.m. Eastern at our YouTube channel. But let's go straight into the iPhone 14, which uh, we've talked so much about this phone, Trillin, and I think the overarching um, idea is that it seems kind of boring, right? Like, they just they reused the iPhone 13 Pro processor. They didn't really change much otherwise. Maybe the cameras were a little better. But otherwise, kind of a humdrum update until iFixit tore this thing open. No, no, here, I want to be very clear on this. This is not something we didn't know. This is something we said in our review, too, that, like, Apple has said one of the biggest changes to the iPhone 14 is something we can't see until we break the back glass of the phone, which is repairability. It's improved repairability. This is something we we knew since the review. It's written in our reviews as well. But obviously, I wasn't going to break my review unit just to see if it was easier to repair. But yes, to be clear. It's one thing to believe Apple saying it, Yes, it's see. nice to see iFixit for yeah. sure be able to tear it because like who else but iFixit could figure that out too, right? For us, like I'm not gonna yeah, but but yeah, to your point, um the back glass has been separated from the housing. So if you drop your phone and you crack the back glass, you can now only replace the back glass without having to change out the whole enclosure. That is at least in what the Apple past, said. that mm-hmm. was like a five hundred and fifty dollar fix just for the back glass if you really wanted to fix it. And I, I think by that point most people are like, I can I can live with broken back glass. It's fine. It's not like right? it's not Put a case on it. Yeah. Put a case on. It's not hurting my operation of the the phone typically. So that's not that. It's good to see this change. But also the back panel comes off and you have easier access to just about everything, like all the components. And I find that really interesting too. Like in general, it looks like iFixit. If you take a look at their videos and their photos, like they you know they remove the bottom screws, they're able to like you know use the suction thing and get the screens off. But once you open it up. It's very easy to get in there and get to different components. Um, they're just more visible, more reachable. And they gave it the highest score uh, they've ever given an iPhone, which is kind of a big deal. Um, what's interesting here is that the iPhone 14 Pro or the Pro Max that they also tore down doesn't have any of this. No, no. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was the basic iPhone 14 that got this redesign, whereas the the Pro models are still kind of stuck to that older design. They did. Apple did say it changed up some of the internal design of the uh, Pro series a little bit. And I, I have the details, but they're kind of out of reach right now. It's, it's a little bit on how they place the speakers and that sort of stuff. 
but yeah, not not with the same enclosure. Not super simple. Yeah. I do think um, just like be- between us, like, do you guys think this is Apple responding to the whole like uh, you know DIY uh, self repair trend out there? Like they they announced the plan to uh, to give you guides, give you parts, and let you order it too. Like Sam, any any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I mean, I definitely think this is sort of Apple's responding to pressure because. Even outside of the U.S., they're starting, you know, governments are starting to be like, hey, we want to improve sustainability. And one of the big, you know, ways you do that is you make things more repairable. And so I think this is sort of Apple getting out ahead of the curve. At the same time, this is also still kind of Apple being Apple, if you look at it, because, you know, highest score ever. I think iFixit gave it a 7 out of 10, which is good, but like not Not exceptional. Mm -hmm. And uh, one other thing that they mentioned in their teardown is that it looks like Apple is using software locks for some of these repair components. And they mentioned that even the back glass has a software lock on it. And that's actually just a really weird move because it's like you have this glass that has no circuit boards or anything in it really, and that you still have to go into the software and like enable it officially. And so that's a really weird thing to do. And so it's like on one hand, yes, the phone is more repairable. But on the other hand, now there's more steps and there's more a more complicated procedure for adding what should be a pretty straightforward repair. This feels like uh, when I need to get my toddler ready for school in the morning and she just like plays limp. I was like, oh, you have to drag <laughs> me to the door now. So, yes, Ab- we, we are dragging Apple to the door of repairability and DIY fixing. Like, uh, okay, components. Uh, but wow, wow, I don't want to get rid of my software locks. Come on, guys. You have to use actual Apple components, and we're only going to make it so. I do feel like for the Face ID sensor, we've talked about this before. Like, it makes sense there to be like, hey, you got to use a real Face ID sensor. Like, we're not going to let you, like, mess around because that's a great way to, like, hack a phone or steal somebody's, like, data. Um, but everything, back glass... I don't think they need that. Yeah, that was, you, that's mm-hmm. a weird choice for sure. Mm-hmm. So you talked with Apple a lot around these phones for Lynn. Like, were they highlighting it in your in your briefings and stuff? Or were they like, oh, yeah, by the way, more repairable? Yeah, they did. So, so I mean, the iPhone 14 they focus, is where this is uh, more of a big deal. And then they, they were telling us, oh, yeah, 12 megapixel sensor, bigger sensor, and larger microns. So, like, the repairability part came at the end. It was more like, oh, you know, internal redesign, remove the back glass from the housing. And so now that brings their, – their wording is always very consistent, right? They're very scripted. That they're very rehearsed. So the wording is more or less along the lines of like, oh, and this brings about two benefits. One, better repairability and two, better heat dissipation. So it's all it's clear this repairability issue is top of mind for them. And they're, you know, in the briefings that I have attended anyway, they, they usually are the first to say this is also a cost benefit to consumers, um, which is a good point. And I will I will say, and I know like we like to hate on Apple and I do too, but in this case, they've managed to make this redesign feel like it's nothing different, right? They've yeah, The yeah. phones, like I said, feel exactly the same as the last generation. For better or worse, they feel exactly the same as the last generation. So Right, because I was going to say, it's, it seems like some people were just expecting a little bit more and it seems like Apple may have just like overhyped a little bit and then kind of under under delivered as far as like the you know the overall like improvements generation for generation for the 14. Yeah, the regular model is not hugely improved. We've talked about this at length, but the 14 Pro, honestly, y'all, 
Oh, so good. I switched over. I've, I've, I, I haven't converted my sim yet. The I'm Android being... queen has officially switched over. Oh, my Pixel 6 Pro is like languishing in the background, especially because, and we'll get to this later. No I'm dynamic sure. island on the Pixel 6 Pro. Come no, on. I'm not. I don't care so much about that. It's more because <laughs> late, lately I've been using the AirPods Pro 2, nah, the 2022 yeah, model. We can yeah. talk about that in a little bit. But we can. Uh, yeah. Once, once I got that going, it was like sayonara, Pixel 6 Pro. <laughs> Uh, one thing I want to mention, a couple of people have mentioned to me, like, they are now seeking out, like, used iPhone 13s or discounted iPhone 13s. Should they just hold off and go for the 14 now because of this repairability thing? I don't think, I don't think it's, that's worth it enough unless you think you're giving, you're either really clumsy or giving it to somebody who's clumsy and may need a lot of repairs. But in general, I would take that discount and put a case on it, baby. Like, that's, put a case on it, put a screen protector on it. That's the best way to protect your devices right now. Um, but Trillin, the AirPods Pro 2, you've been testing it. Billy Steele just reviewed it over at the main Engadget site. He seems to really like it. Score of uh, 88, which is good. Sounds sounds like a worthwhile improvement for him, despite having the same design, kind of so-so battery life. How are you liking them? I am pretty impressed so far. I mean, um, I helped Billy with the review video, so that's also up on the Engadget YouTube channel now. It might be a little bit jarring because you hear Billy's beautiful drawl and <laughs> accent in the background, and you see me like a city dweller just like chumping along the streets or whatever. Uh, but you really chump along streets, okay? I did, I did, yeah, just like me, just, uh, just pretending to look at my purse for the AirPods, and then <laughs> I actually lost them, so I couldn't find. It. Anyway. Um, and it's me pretending to be in an iPod commercial, trying to like chill against the wall. Um, so as I shot the video for him, I was reading his script and learning some things about what's new and what, what he liked and didn't. And one of the features that's new to the AirPods Pro is the touch-sensitive panel now on the stick. Um, now, Billy says, and Billy has such great lines in his review too. He says something like, oh, at this point, it would be, you know, too much probably to hope for Apple to do away with that stick butt design. I think he doesn't like it. I think for a lot of different people, it doesn't work very well. And so for them to place the touch-sensitive panel on the there you stick... Go. There you go. I know. it's it. You would think... it. it it's like, hallelujah, finally touch controls, but they place them in a sort of awkward position, right? When I read the script, I was like, oh, okay, you can touch up and down. And before I read the script, I was not having an issue with the touch panel until Billy pointed out that like, if you have to brace the stick with your thumb and then use your index finger to kind of go up and down to, to, to switch the volume. So and I was like- You can't just like lightly swipe easily. You can, but depending on the fit for you, like for me, my right ear has no problem with me just using my index finger and no brace, just going up and down. But my left ear, the second I start jabbing at it with the looking for the touch controls, the thing starts trying to fall out of my ear. And so that's one of the issues that you're going to have with the touch controls on the uh, AirPods Pro 2022. I, but, I think that's yeah. why it was probably wasn't in the original version too. And people complained about it, but- I I have lived with with those with the Beats Fit Pro other other wireless earbuds that don't have volume controls and like unless you're unless you're exercising a lot right and your phone is far away or you don't have another way to control your volume like you also have voice commands I to love, control volume you know I so. love volume control on the phone I uh, on the buds I love yeah same right Sam like because it's just so much more convenient as it's not just for exercise I get it like when I was on the treadmill a lot it was just so much easier to like use that because sometimes some I don't know, some parts of songs are not as loud as they should be or whatever. But, uh, and we shot a clip of this. I don't know if it made it into the final review, but like for me, volume change is very important when I'm changing from indoors and outdoors, indoors and outdoors, subway and, and up or whatever. Um, you can use noise cancellation, sure, but I don't always want to use noise cancellation when I'm, you know, stepping in and out of these places. So 
it's 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 nice. We were grateful that it came, but then the implementation is fine. It's not, it's not such great. a huge yeah. inconvenience to to use your thumb to brace it. But I don't know, Sam. I I, I mean, you seem like you might have some thoughts too. Yeah, no, it, I I think what you're kind of hitting on is like I think the like the platonic ideal of like earbuds is that you put your earbuds in and you never have to touch your phone again to adjust like your you know songs or audio or whatever. And so, like, I think you want to be able to, you, like, the, the core functions you want on an earbud touch control is, like, pause, play, skip, track, rewind, and then control audio. And then, uh, ideally, you also want to be able to, way to toggle, like, uh, ANC on and off. And so, I, I think, you know, manufacturers are trying to, like, figure out, like, a control system that makes sense. In Samsung, on the Galaxy Buds Pro 2, they have, like, an like a experimental labs feature where they have... You know, the buds normally have, like, a touch-sensitive panel on the side, but they actually divided it in half so that the front part of the touch thing is what you use to adjust volume. And it's, like, it's still an experimental feature. And so, like, for me, like, I've been, like, learning how to use that. And it's, like, I like, I like, I think I like the idea of that more. And because there's no, like, stick on the uh, Galaxy Buds, you don't have to worry about it, like, you know, like, uh, like rearranging the fit. Yeah, or, like, causing the earbuds to fall out. Are you guys still annoyed by the stick? Because I feel like if you want, if you do want a fully like stick-free, you know, Apple experience, there's the Beats Fit Pro, which sound really good too. Sounded better than the original AirPods Pro, um, but the stick seems like you're doing you use that to have a better microphone experience, to have better call quality when you're actually talking to people. So. I found at least the AirPods are better at that because of the stick, right? I don't mind the stick. I've never minded the stick butt design. I even don't mind if they're not in ears um, in the sense that the it's a more flat butt, right? Like the basic AirPods. Um, I'm, I'm very okay with that. I think Huawei actually made a version of them ages ago. <laughs> of course they uh, did. Yeah. Of course. It's like yeah. a clone. And Huawei managed to have touch controls on those things, but they never would work because of wind interference because my hair was in it's my hard. ear. Yeah. So I get that touch controls on earbuds are a very tricky issue. Um, to be clear too, on the AirPods Pro 2022, um, you still have the squeeze controls, right? So you still squeeze the sticks twice to to skip forward, once to, once to pause, and three and times ANC, backwards yeah. and long press for ANC or, or sound profile cancel, uh, toggles. So there's still that. It's, the touch controls are there purely at this point for volume mm-hmm, mm-hmm. control. I feel like so. I'm maybe I have like bad memories from some Jabra like exercise headphones I've had, which had physical buttons. And you sometimes you have to like yeah. push it hard and it would hit your well, ears. Yeah, you, 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 you hurt your ear canal yeah. with like trying it to hurts. push it in. And like, yeah, that was never a good word. A good never, solution. never great. Anyway, AirPods Pro 2 sound good. How did you try the sort of like uh, adjusted? transparency mode chillin because that sounds interesting. yeah so there's a lot of new features too right the adjusted transparency mode you mean like the ambient uh personalized ambient uh, well like yeah I did, it kind of changes as you move from environments and stuff i didn't change that many environments but i did see that um so a few things one is i did set up um personalized spatial audio which uses sort of like a face id setup method uh it scans your head and then it scans your each ear through the phones, face ID cameras, and then creates like a profile for you. And I remember reading in uh, Billy's review that he didn't really actually pr- appreciate like the, um, the the personalized version that the, the Apple came up with. I haven't spent enough time listening to like music before and after setting that up because I actually really only did it for the video because you kind of, I don't want to like redo it too many times. Um, so that feature, I would say Billy doesn't seem to be super impressed by. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll it's get also, back to you It's also, that's not new to these earbuds, because on my Beats Fit Pro, you can also do the sort of like camera, 
like personalization stuff. And I Interesting. Think, yeah. I so. wasn't aware of that. The other thing is um, that I thought was actually pretty cool is that you can use the mics on the AirPods Pro to do to suppress environmental noise yes. that could yes. hurt your hearing. Yes, that, that was cool. very cool because you also use it with uh, Apple Watch um, to kind of see how it it's being it's, it's in use right so like i was looking at the apple watch and uh putting some uh i, I mean I, there was no noise really around me in our office but our video producer joel was like yeah 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 like we were just like making you noise around and you can see that the decibels that it was detecting was like maybe 69 decibels when um J joel was making uh, like saying something and then you can see how by how much the AirPods were sort of like minimizing how what you hear. So it was like, oh, we're taking this down to 25 decibels uh, instead of the 69 decibels it would otherwise be in your ear. Um, cool, right? Like, I yeah, I definitely didn't hear like Joel screaming in my ear, but uh, I don't know if that was because there is a physical barrier, right? Or because the mics are that good or the, you know, Apple system is that great. That's... Yeah. A good thing is sort of like New York subway stuff, right? Because like as oh, the yeah, trains sure. are coming in, super loud, you hear all the wheels and everything. You go and like, I feel like if it can just automatically boost suppression for that. And then as you get in, it kind of chills. Because when I wear earbuds, certainly when I was in New York, like I would just walk around with one earbud basically. If I get in, I'm sitting in for a long train ride. Then I do two earbuds. And I kind of like huddle up and keep my situational awareness. But normally just one earbud because I want to hear what's happening. So yeah. If it works better for transparency mode, that's a big win. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the transparency mode I've, I've tested, I didn't test to like adapt it or whatever is transparency mode. I mean, it works pretty much the same as the Pixel Buds Pro's transparency mode, which is pretty effective. I can't tell you that there's a huge difference between the two when it comes to their noise cancellation and their noise transparency modes. Um, I think that uh, I did... I was at like a, a very noisy street festival recently. Like it was a, the downtown Jersey City street festival. There's very loud music playing. Um, that's one of those situations where you would appreciate a feature like the one that we just talked about. But I was around friends. Like you wouldn't, you know, like it's it's difficult for me to guess like what situations this right, would be useful right. in other than the subway. Scenario. I feel like that that's just being able to automatically do it is kind of the thing you want. Uh, so that's great. I'm glad Apple's doing that. I will say it's funny that my Beats Fit Pro right now, I love them so much. I've been using them like daily multiple times since I bought them like late last year, right when they came out. The the like seal between the, the wingtip and the bud just peeled off last week. Like they knew. They knew headphones were coming. They're like, sorry, bruh. I guess you got to get new ones. Uh, no, I'm going to crazy glue those suckers. I'm uh, not going to move on. Don't crazy yet. glue your ear. Not my ear, but certainly. Yeah, just, just make sure it dries before you put them back in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Although, you know, that's that's true technolo technology integration, right? Just you will always have an earbud on. I'll say it. I'll yep. say our our live stream producer Julio says uh you know they he uses his uh, AirPods Pro to suppress noise when his neighbors mow the lawn. That's a good yeah. I don't think a lot exactly. of I use it when me. I mow the lawn. Like just oh look at that. And I don't I don't even have like a, a heavy what is a lawn? What is grass? I mean the lawn shouldn't exist. I should just have wildflowers on my front yard. I wish I could just do that. Uh, but my lawnmower is not super loud. But when I'm doing stuff outside, certainly leaf blower stuff, those things suck and they're really loud. So um using these things have been super helpful, even though I'm not in a city. Anything else you guys want to mention about this or the repairability of the iPhone 14 Pro? Because we can move on. We've got a lot of news this week. I just the, just the price of the AirPods Pro 2, right? It's $249, $250. And so, what, same price as the last generation? Same price as the last gen. The Beats Fit Pro came in at like 200 So that's also why I'm like, 
uh, it is weird what is happening there, right? Is the Beats folks are completely separate from the AirPods and other audio engineering folks? Or are they just like, how do you, how, how does that work? How does that like workplace culture work? Like the Beats folks, okay, they get the new chips, they get like some new stuff over time, but they have to design their own speakers and the drivers and everything. So it's all... Hmm. Yeah, who knows with who Beats knows? anymore? I I also did want to flag the the case now, the charging case for the AirPods Pro 2022 have their own speakers on board. They have a lanyard loop, but no lanyard is included when you buy the thing. <laughs> well, the, you're Dell, gonna get a cute one from a from a vending machine, probably, right? So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, meantime, Mark Dell, one of our uh, live stream viewers, asks: Is Engadget going to do a rundown of the top lanyards for the AirPods Pro 2022? I say, I say, you tell us if you want us to. I well, don't whatever, know. <laughs> literally, whatever you find, like that's, yeah. that's how you land your yeah, just work. whatever like, lanyard whatever you want. junk you find <laughs> anywhere. I did use uh, I did use the U one chip in the case, uh, which is an ultra wide band chip, and and that allows for very precise location via Find My in your iPhone. Um, I, I did try that feature out. Like I had a video producer hide the AirPods Pro in <laughs> an office for me, uh-huh. and then I was like, okay, I'm going to turn on Find My to look for that. And it really, I found it in five seconds. Flat. Did it work as well as AirTags? Like, does it yeah. give you the directional arrow? And yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So okay. it was very, I was very impressed. So the, I mean, you're never going to lose your AirPods, hopefully, if you... Hopefully, get these. I don't know. Now we'll just see. put put that on the freaking Apple TV remote. Like put 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 the freaking AirTags on the remote. I keep losing it. Um, okay, good to hear that the AirPods Pro two are cool. And hey, good news for the iPhone fourteen if you buy it for somebody. If it breaks, like maybe it'll be easier to repair. That's a good thing for everybody. Go check out our review of the AirPods Pro two and uh, check out all of Sherlyn's reviews. She's been driving herself crazy reviewing all this Apple stuff. Uh, we've got one more thing we'll mention in what you're working on. But for now, let's move on to some other news. This was a pretty big week for NVIDIA. This was NVIDIA's GTC event where they typically show off all their new technology, but this was also the week they decided to show off their new 4000 series cards, the 4090, the RTX 4090, which is going to be $1,600, and the RTX 4080. Confusingly, there are two of those. There's a $900 one with 12 gigabytes of RAM and a $1,200 one with 16 gigabytes of RAM. Very curious about that distinction and why they're both called 4080, and we'll dive into it. But uh, hey, new GPUs, it is a weird thing to see from NVIDIA right now because it feels like, honestly, it feels like the 3000 series cards just got here, or at least we just learned about the, the, the Thai versions, which are slightly faster. It feels like we're still recovering from the crazy like crypto mining, um, I don't know, wave that drove GPU prices way up. Uh, that has slowed down. The prices are back to normal. Stock is out there. But we did hear like uh, NVIDIA during this event, like I, I was hearing some Q&As with Jensen Zhuang, and he said, like he admitted they made too many 3000 series cards. You know, like that was a big issue for them. So my question is now, like, okay, people have wanted 3000 series cards forever. These cards are here now. They're more expensive. They're, they get you more, they, they could do a lot more. They're certainly better with ray tracing and faster, better for faster frame rates in general. My question is, like, does anybody actually need these? Sam, I know you're a fellow, like, PC enthusiast. Like, what are you, what are you thinking about these cards? Do you want, like, just full unfettered? 4K ray tracing and I d- no compromise, right? Is that what you're aiming for? Or? Yeah, it, it's so hard yeah. because like you know the the GPU market has been on such like a roller coaster because like for a long time you couldn't get any, and then like just recently there's like oh very available like you know you can get them for retail prices, and then as soon as that happens, 
oh, now there's new a new generation of cards to worry about. And I think th- th- it's really, like, on, on a certain level, it really brings into a question. It's like, you have to figure out what kind of gamer you are because, you know, especially with the new 4000 series cards, one of the big advantages is, like, significantly better ray tracing performance. It's like upwards of 100% or, like, twice uh, the ray tracing performance compared to last generation. But you got to factor in, it's like, do the games that I play actually benefit from ray tracing? Because if you're playing Counter-Strike, you know, you're not going to see anything. Um, but so it, it really depends on what kind of games you're playing. And then on top of that, you know, you, you mentioned like, oh, there's the 4080 16 gig and the 4080 12 gig. And there's been some, you know, some heated discussion online about that because... They're very like, different cards. Very it, yeah, different. It, it, yeah, exactly. So, so I have the specs right here. And so... Uh, the 4090 has uh, 16,000 CUDA cores. The 4080 16 gig has 9,700 CUDA cores. And the 4080 12 gig has 7,600 CUDA cores. So that's actually a pretty big difference um, in terms of like, it's not just the VRAM that's different on these cars. And so you really have to like... And also and so like li- smaller uh, memory bandwidth too, I'm seeing um, mm-hmm. on the full specs, uh, 192-bit on the 4080 12 gigabit or 12 gigabyte, 256-bit on the, the 4080 16 gigabyte. These are right. different so, cards. What? Very different cards. And, and now there's some speculation. It's like, oh, did, did, is the 4080 12 gig, was that really just like a 4070 or even like a 4060 that they kind of, you know, rebranded or renamed so that it fits in better with this lineup? And like we were talking about this yesterday, it's like, oh, they could have called like the 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 forty eighty sixteen gig the forty eighty Ti, but that would also throw off you know Nvidia's traditional naming scheme of saving the Ti versions for like a mid cycle refresh yeah, yeah, for a couple of years from now, yeah. And so it, it's mm. all it's all very interesting, and and then, and then you just have the pricing, and it's it's more complicated than ever to like think about if you want to upgrade or not. It's it's so weird too, and especially because first of all, l- let me put this out there for people who who aren't following this market. Typically, the the seventy cards are like the ones that a lot of enthusiasts aim for because they tend to the be mainstream. Fast. The mainstream choice, yeah. Well, I would say so. Mainstream is like typically the sixty series, right? Like if you're mm-hmm. if you just want like good gameplay, you'll get a sixty series card and some sort of thing. If you're an enthusiast who cares about PC gaming. Well, most people just aim for the 70 cards and maybe overclock, you know, and maybe like try to eke out more performance from that because the 80s are usually such a huge uh, price jump, like almost twice as much or a significant amount typically. Now, it, there there is no 4070. Maybe there likely will be down the line, but it does seem like this price gulf and this tech, the spec difference does feel like they're two separate cards and NVIDIA is just trying to justify the much, much higher price at this point because... Yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, there, there was also a Q and A with media uh, yesterday, and and so in in the Q and A, uh, the uh, Jensen, uh, the CEO of uh, Nvidia, was was saying, oh, the, the prices of the the times of falling GPU prices are a thing of the past, which is kind of scary for people who like like fancy new hardware because it's just saying that's like, oh, the prices for the flagship stuff are just going to keep going up from now until forever, um, and so that's that's definitely a little concerning. Um, but there is, you know, some, you know, background to this because apparently TMS- TSMC is charging a little bit more for their wafer production. So obviously that's getting passed on to the consumer, which sucks. But, you know, that's, you know, business, I guess. And this is a but new then, process, too, right? Like an entirely new, smaller process for them. So, yeah, it's it's supposedly on TSMC's four nanometer process, but there is, you know, it's I think it's only like a half a generation jump up from the five nanometer process they were using before. But yeah. Uh, my, my main question here is like, who needs these? 
if you're if you're somebody right now, if you've been like holding off on the GPU market and you just didn't jump in, it kind of depends where you are, right? Like I don't think these are worthwhile upgrades from the three thousand cards. Maybe if you're stuck with a two thousand or a one thousand, you know, series card, especially if you have if you've had a if you stuck with the GTX like 1070 or 1080 for several years now, then yeah, maybe you just want to go all the way as much as you can. But I also expect we're going to see some pretty good deals on the the you know the 3000 series cards left. The 3070 is still a killer card. The 3080 yeah. is going to take a huge price dip because of this thing. I haven't like seen things get reflected yet, but I I don't know. If you're going to spend that money, maybe it does make more sense to go for the $900 4080 rather than spending 5 or 600 dollars on a 3080, you know, if it ever gets to that price. Um this is just yeah, a weird I'm- point. Yeah. I'm I might like my desktop at home. I'm currently using a 2080, and I'm like I'm re- I'm right on that edge of like should I upgrade? Should I not? And like I'm I'm almost like at a point where it's like maybe I try to hold out for like the the mid cycle refresh, just because it's like you know I wasn't able to get a new GPU during the pandemic, and like now that it, like. I can get a 3000 series card. Like I'm either going to wait for the prices on those to fall or, you know, see how everything else shakes out, especially, you know, once we get a chance to actually test these things and see what the actual performance is like. Mm-hmm. It feels like we're hitting the plateau, right. Of, of PC gaming performance. It's like, yeah, we, Hey, uh, when it comes to like traditional rasterized games, getting hot, fast frame rates, super easy with, with most games these days. It's when you enable things like ray tracing and uh, other other fun effects where, oh, you need a lot more processing power. And at the end of the day, ray tracing just looks very nice, but it's not going to functionally make your, your gaming better, I guess. So this is a, should, should we be caring so much about these graphics? Look at Nintendo and the Switch and like how much they've been able to eke out of a freaking five-year-old mobile, you know, CPU. Um, it it seems like we're in a weird place and I don't know if people are actually going to jump on these cards as much as the last bit. Trillin, does any of this mean anything to you? I mean, you follow the chip industry, but this is, this is like high end gaming nerd stuff. And well, yeah, you know, you know, when you said who needs to get these, I was thinking Julio because (laughs) our live stream producer just earlier today was like having, having some issues with like graphics card struggles. Right. And so I was like, okay, so, and I'm pretty sure Julio uses a fairly recent model of the, the, what the 3000 series, probably, uh, Julio, correct me if I'm wrong. Julio has a 3080 tie. Yeah. Right. 3080 TI. So, so like. Yeah, that one's already a pretty serious, beefy graphics card and probably Julio, someone with Julio's workflow where where he's managing several different video streams and then running graphics and putting that all out to YouTube at once could probably, you know, benefit from getting a new graphics card, one of the 4000 series. But you're right that like, you know, b- beyond these very intensive workloads that, you know, a Julio does for work. Like if you're a YouTube streamer and you're playing like games while streaming your own feed, I guess, to Twitch or whatever, probably, right? I don't know how it could how much be useful, but then, then you're almost like CPU bound, right? And then like you've got other things to deal with. And if you're a real streamer, you're going to have you're going to have two computers and you're going to game on one and pipe that video into the other one and have the other one be your broadcast computer. So, you know, I don't. I, I don't fully know. Um, I guess this stuff, like, hey, if you have a 120 hertz monitor, you know, or more, certainly more. If you have a 360 hertz or they're going to get faster and faster and you want to, like, pump all those frames in, then sure, these are going to help. And uh, NVIDIA also talked about something else that is kind of interesting. They announced DLSS 3, which is the third version of their, like, I forget, super sampling. The, 
Yeah, they're super sampling tech. But previously, DLSS was all about saying like, hey, we will render these frames at 1080p and we will use our AI uh, tools and our AI processors to spit out a much higher quality, maybe like a 4K level image by, uh, by kind of like estimating what that increased resolution would look like. DLSS 3 is interesting because they're just straight up frame interpolating. Like they are just... Rather than just like uh, making the edges and things look better, they're adding whole new frames of gameplay in there, which starts to sound like the motion smoothing stuff we don't like in TVs. We don't like fake frames. So, but they're talking about that as a way to get frame rates up while you're enabling uh, ray tracing gameplay. And they showed off like some cool things, like some 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 games actually took uh, took a big jump. Um, they showed off Cyberpunk, and when they enabled all this stuff, like frame rates jumped quite a bit. So. That could be useful, I guess. Is it worth the cost of, uh, you know, I don't know, near $1,000 just for that? Especially if you, have, if you have a 3080? That, I don't know. So we're, we're kind of at a crossroads. I'm looking forward to testing these cards. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we will be testing the 4090. NVIDIA, no matter how much I beg, we, we rarely get the 90 series cards. Um, but hopefully, I'm aiming to at least get the two 4080s and do some good benchmarking between them to get a sense of, like, how those things perform. Uh, but hey, guys, like, if you if you have a 3000 series card, just stick with it. Love love what you've got. Love the one you have. Love the one you have. Um, people are talking about, I saw Daniel Diaz in our chat room mention, like, they saw a deal uh, saying an RTX 3070 combined with a 27-inch Quad HD 165 hertz monitor for $600. On Newegg. That's a great deal. Yeah. Dude, that stuff like that i am a very pragmatic and uh, cheap buyer when it comes to tech so stuff love like what that, you can like, get love what you can get learn to like eke out the most performance of these things because at the high end you were just you were paying for nvidia's technology test bed basically because most games aren't going to take advantage of this stuff immediately um those 30 series cards are going to drop in price and that's going to be a big big deal uh, another thing is they announced the uh, portals getting they did a mod for portal to bring rtx ray tracing to portal and that looks pretty cool. Did you guys see the videos of that? Sorry, I was in Apple Land. Yes, yeah, no, I, I I was watching the trailer, and then my wife heard the portal music, and yeah. she's like, "Wait, there, there's new por- there's portal, portal news," and she you, you hear she the got like really excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, well, the kick is still a lie, but I guess these frames are not a lie. This realistic lighting is not a lie. That's what's happening. It's portal with like the the edges of the portals reflect off the environment. Surfaces are reflective. It just looks really nice. And it shows like if you look at the trailer for this thing, it shows off like the the sort of difference just having more realistic lighting makes for a game. It makes it, it gives more depth to the image. I played a bit of the Quake 2 RTX thing. And even that like old, old game looked pretty, pretty great once you started adding some realistic lighting. So these things do show like what the difference is with RTX. It's just like not... It's not world changing. It's more like it's it's the sort of way like HDR makes things look a little nicer in movies and games, too. So I guess we'll see. I I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm not super enthusiastic about these cards, but I am enthusiastic about the price drops that are clearly coming. So if you've been waiting, folks, now is the time to get a 3000 series card. Let's move on to some other news. And uh, there's a bunch of hacks going on, specifically Grand Theft Auto 6. I don't know if you guys were following this, but over the weekend, I just woke up and saw like there was massive leak, 90 videos, source code from Grand Theft Auto 6 just out there. And uh, for those who don't know, like Rockstar 
typically keeps the stuff all close to the best. Like, they don't typically reveal a lot of this stuff. The only stuff we've heard about this game so far is from reporting from Jason Schreier at Bloomberg. So to have videos out there and, like, a full sense of what this game is is just pretty pretty wild um the story we're hearing now and this hasn't been super confirmed but it likely was by the same hacker who uh, who accomplished the massive uber hack last week um and let me see here and that group is lapsus dollar sign i don't know how you how do you read that lapsus dollar sign um but both of these things the gta 6 in particular is interesting because it's like there were also rumors that they were trying to work with rockstar to maybe like maybe get paid to return some of the stuff which is like oh you're just getting to extortion territory now you're just you want to go straight to jail thoughts on this and we will not be showing this footage um it is out there but respectfully like yeah we, we don't want to keep broadcasting this stuff i took a look at like a couple seconds just to see like what it looked like it looks like grand theft auto i just have one thing to say i posit that this the name is pronounced lapses cha-ching cha-ching sure sure anyway lapses cash <laughs> thank you lapses dollar no, I- sign yeah, I, I think the sad thing is I just I just feel bad for the developers because this is really really early footage and so some of the some of the people who like you know aren't really in the game industry they see early development footage is like oh this game looks like crap and then the developers have to hear this and it's like well G- GTA Six is doomed and it's like y'all this is like early footage the textures aren't finished like the, the graphics finished. aren't finished reportedly so it's, like, it's from like a 2019 build and this game is still like two years away so. Old. Yeah, there's there's yeah. no announcement. Date. There's like no 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 release date, not even like a release window for this game. And so like anything that you're seeing here is like you can't really take it too seriously. And so like I feel bad because it really bums out. You hear stories about the developers like you know it really bums them out that like they're seeing people are seeing a game that isn't really representative of what their final pro- like product is going to be. And so it just sucks for, uh, on that end. There was a good trend of developers kind of showing off uh, early hardware of their own games to in like solidarity for this. So specifically, I really liked uh, the folks behind Control were showing off like a really, really build of that game and how rough that looked and how simplistic. But also, if you squint, you could kind of see where that game was going and what they were aiming for. And that's how development works. Uh, like games don't really take shape um, until the very end. Like once all the art assets and everything are done, um, it does make me sad about the... Uh, the the gamer culture or the gamers who just like just want to consume and like criticize everything and have no idea what's really happening yeah i saw i saw i've been seeing memes all over reddit about this and and one of the more repeated ones is uh on the left you have gta 6 leak haters complaining that it doesn't look good and then on the right you have gta 6 leak uh, fans or something going well at least it's in the works like I, like you know there's always <laughs> two ways to see it yeah, 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 yeah. sure sure I think this is I think this is a story of like yeah the people who are going to hate are just going to hate and you know if for now we we know what to expect. I would say if you're listening to this and you saw that footage uh, cuz it is everywhere and you feel disappointed by it and you want to know like how games are made uh, I want to shout out the work by the No Clip uh, team, the No Clip documentary team, who does great work um, doing behind the scenes coverage of game stuff. Uh, they have a Patreon and stuff. Like, I am really happy to support them because those folks have been making um, gaming videos and gaming like journalism for for years, for over a decade at this point. So check out No Clip; they're on YouTube, and you could get some really good behind the scenes action. The stuff they did around the Dishonored games, I thought was like really fascinating. That's one of my favorite series right now. Anything else you guys want to add about uh, about this this thing, this particular hack? 
There was another leak, another exploit by Lapsus Cha-Chang, right? Lapsus, I mean, the Uber thing was last week, but um, what we're hearing, what we're hearing is like, yeah, the revelation that was Lapsus Cha-Chang uh, was likely, that was more recent. And that was also the group behind Microsoft and T-Mobile's recent attacks. And the Uber thing is kind of weird because they basically got full, fully inside Uber's internal systems and like um, put up like a, an expletive uh, web page for all Uber employees when they tried to browse their their like little intranet and they got into their Slack and stuff. And it was uh, bad. I My favorite thing that I saw on the internet after that was... Uh, like uber posting job postings for security engineers in new york georgia whatever like they were just like immediately hiring security oh crap our security what happened apparently from what i've read is that um the contractor that was hacked um they received they had um two-factor authentication they had a check-in they received a a thing and just accepted it the folks Folks, if you, if you have two-factor, if you're using, like, we use um, one platform that you have to click approve when you try to log into our sites. And if you're getting weird things, don't don't click approve. Tell your IT department. Like, come on. Uh, the IT guy in me is, like, just just cringing at all this stuff. Because so, so many of these hacks are just simple things that people could do. This is not, like, new technology. This is nothing new. It's just social engineering and finding all the, all the little holes you can get. Um, so... Anyway, we will see more details from the GTA 6 uh, hack at some point um, and the Uber hack. Like, that story is not done. Uh, let's move on to some, like, quick other stories. Um, I wrote up the Windows 11 2022 review. Um, let me just see here. Windows 11's uh, 2022 update just landed this week. But this is a really quick update. We're about a year after the launch of Windows 11. Um, and typically, like, this is when you get, like, major new features and stuff. This particular update uh, really is just about rebuilding the Windows update system. So it's an update to get more updates, if, if that's at all confusing. Uh, there are some new things coming eventually, which actually didn't launch this week. In October, you'll get tabs on the File Explorer. Um, you'll get some other new types of features. Uh, the ClipChamp video editor is in there. Microsoft bought them last year, but no major changes. Uh, just kind of like a, hey, Windows 11 is still going strong, and this update is going to make like your Windows updates easier. They're going to be smaller, and they're going to be easier to install uh, down the line. And Microsoft also wants to add bigger features into Windows updates rather than the annual like major updates for things. So that's a good thing for Windows fans. Um yeah, no, you're going to get a little more start menu customization. You're going to be able to like add more pins or more personalized apps uh, or more like recommendations um, for apps. So that's cool. But beyond that, it's still Windows 11. Uh, how, how are you guys feeling about this OS? Like, Sherlyn, have you ever, I don't even think you've had to live with Windows 11 much, have you? I have used it on some, I believe my, yeah, my current laptop uses Windows 11. Maybe not the latest version of Windows 11. Your work 11. laptop or another one? Though the one that I use for work is not the work the work laptop is a Mac, ugh. Um, but uh, the 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 thing about the tabs in File Explorer, right? We've ha- we've heard about that for a while now. So you know, I, I feel like that's not that's not super news. I mean, it it hasn't been here. So we hear we the way Windows works is we typically hear about features um, as they're rolling out to insiders and preview builds and things like that. Um, but to general users, they're not here. So I've been running File Explorer tabs for a while. I really like them uh, just because I tend to have a lot of Explorer windows. I, I'm moving stuff all around. Uh, you can still do that, but the tabs t- help to like consolidate things a little bit. 
Um, but yeah, it's nice. Nothing groundbreaking. Um, this is the thing where if you were a Windows 10 user who was like waiting to update before Microsoft like got a lot of the, the you know bugs ironed out, I feel like now is a good time to make that jump. Um, so that that's a good thing. Yeah, th- yeah. Th- this is like it feels like the the refinement pass of like you know following up from the original release last mm-hmm. year. It is funny. Uh, I also, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, I saw they're uh, improving the accuracy of like general general Windows 11 search, which I'll be very curious to see how that because it, it was like Windows 11 search is just like so hit or miss. Um, so I'll be interested to see if that um, how how much that changes things. And it's like sad for me because like I can't upgrade my desktop because I'm using an, an older uh, uh, Intel chip, and so I can't. I'm not. I have no like realistic. How upgrade how path. old is your chip? It's a seventh gen Intel, so you could still you could still do an ISO install. You could still just I I could I, yeah 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 yeah. Um, it's just uh, that mean, that means I gotta like take my whole computer offline for a while, it. and I don't really want to. It's do not it. worth it. Like hey folks, if you like Windows 10 right now and you're good, your system is good. Just just stick with that for a while. There are some cool new features coming to Windows 11 for gamers. Like the there's a new controller bar to make it easier to move things around, and you can also like run games windowed and still have HDR auto HDR and like. Uh, variable refresh rates going so that's kind of cool typically you have to like full screen for that so those, those are cool things but if you're good with windows 10 you're you're fine microsoft is still going to support it for several years so we're good for a while i just want to shout that thing out um Sherlyn, you were excited about this new cheapo cheap chrome wow wow, right? wow 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 with those with the words there i mean but it is true it, this is a new chromecast, chromecast yeah New Chromecast, uh, according to Julio, was like El Cheapo. Okay, uh, it's $30. It's the Chromecast with Google TV, but HD. So the Chromecast with Google TV, when Google launched it, I want to say last year, two years ago, with the new interface and everything, that was 4K. Uh, I believe it sold for closer to 50 bucks. And this time, you're getting a $30 version, which, yeah, it seems like just really the main difference here is that it's like a lower res and it's cheaper. But you had to think about like the households across the world. Not everyone's on a 4K TV. No, sure. And a device like a Chromecast is designed for someone who's not already on a smart TV. It's designed to like turn your older monitors maybe, right? Into something that you can use for, you know, your security camera streams. Well, this, or like, this one has the remote too, right? So you, you're not right, just stuck exactly. casting from your phone. Like you right. exactly. it's, it's actually the exact same design as the previous yes. one. Like same, same remote, same dongle, everything. That's cool. Yeah, everything <laughs> is really, everything's the same except for the 4K and some Dolby Atmos uh, support missing from the HD version. Uh, and, and to, f- to kind of visibly tell them apart there's like some etching on the device itself so you can see 4k or look, hd look really and then and there's no no different color options right the the hd version only comes in what they call snow um which is like white and then you know with the 4k version you get pink and blue versions as well so for me this is more like we're re- returning to the original chromecast idea the concept of this dongle that turns any tv into a smart tv for cheap right the original chromecast retailed for 35 bucks this is cheaper than that and it does more so for me, like I just thought that that was interesting. Also, I just love Chromecast. So you Chromecast know. is cool. It's cool when it actually works. What's weird is that this one is 1080p, but also supports HDR. Yeah, there are no 1080p HDR TVs. It's, that, that is kind of weird. Exist. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. just like the chip level, like the chip they scaled down for this thing, just kind of had HDR and they just didn't turn it off. I don't know. Um, it is. I always liked having a Chromebook or a really cheap Roku to take to like hotels when I traveled and you go to Airbnbs and stuff like you have an easy way to access all your content. So that seems cool. And yeah, a lot of people still have 1080p TVs. I will say, though, like if you if you need a Chromecast and you have a 1080p TV, 
and you plan to upgrade your TV eventually, like maybe maybe just get the 4K one. Maybe just like, I don't know. Like eventually you may want to be able to use on a 4K set or do more with it. But it's cool that this exists. Roku has had super cheap, um, you know, versions of their streaming boxes around for a while. So this is mainly competing with that. Yeah. Declan Flynn in the chat says, this is the Pixel 6a of Chromecast, which, you know, good point. That's not, not inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah. A very good analogy. Okay. Cheap Chromecast. It is out. Good to see there. Um, would you guys play, would you pay $350? For a gaming, a cloud gaming handheld from Logitech, $350. That is the Three? price of a no. Nintendo Switch Pro. Uh, no, a Switch OLED, not a Switch Pro. Um, $350. Does that... that was so cheap, I only paid $200 for my Switch uh-huh. second gen, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. um, yeah, this is. we've seen this device leaked, uh, leaked quite a bit, but basically it is a, is a little handheld. It looks like a Switch uh, developed together by Logitech and Tencent, which is interesting too, which makes oh, me think like it's really one. it's really more meant for like, okay, in, in China and other countries where maybe cloud gaming is more of a thing. Um, but yeah, this thing will be able to directly hook into GeForce Now. You'll be able to use your Steam if you have a Steam PC, uh, gaming PC. You could stream locally from within your home to it. Um... It's cool. T- 1080p up to 60 frames per second. It's a seven inch touch screen. It's a basically. I'm sorry. Did you say 16? 60. 60. Okay. I, I would not like, say that's 60. Very low. Yeah. Okay, that's sorry. very low. Um, <laughs> it is basically a little Android thing. I would compare this to maybe the Steam Deck, but also the Switch itself, right? The Steam Deck. What is the cheapest one? It's like 400? Uh, 450. 450, right? That is, what are you doing, Logitech? <laughs> I, when I heard about this thing, it was like, maybe if it's $200, sure. That's a great idea. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I think you just you, you got to give me more for the money because this thing only plays Steam games. So like, not only do you have to factor in like the cost of like your monthly like Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate sub or like Stadia or whatever, you know, it's like you always need um, you know a wireless connection, and so like you either like have to tether or like you know have some sort of Wi-Fi available, and so this this really brings into the question. It's like. Has has cloud gaming reached a point where people are so comfortable with cloud gaming that they're okay getting a thing that cannot play games locally at all? And that's a point where I'm not quite there yet. It depends on where you um, live or, like, if, if you live in a home. I, for kids, too, like, okay, a cloud gaming thing where they can't screw up the, ga- screw up the game cartridges or something, right? Where, yeah, yeah. But it has to be cheaper. It has to be cheaper. It has to be, like, 250 200 bucks. When the Steam Deck, which admittedly is a lot bigger, that is a huge device. Uh, and this, I think one benefit of this thing is that it's supposed to be pretty light. It's slightly heavier than the Switch. It's 463 grams. The Switch is 398 grams. The Steam Deck is, that's about like less than a pound for both of these things. The Steam Deck is straight up one point one and a half pounds. So it's a big boy. It's a big honking thing, but it runs games locally. It has power locally. You can both stream games and play games like right from the system if you're not online. So... I, I don't know what Logitech is doing here. Or at least this price. Well, and the other wrong. thing is like, yeah. like, what are you going to do if you take this thing on a plane? You're screwed. Like, is yeah. plane is plane Wi-Fi going to be able to like, no, 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 no. like, not at all. Your cloud gaming? No, like, no. and so can you download games? You can't no, download games. Oh. From what it looks like, it has an older. It has a Snapdragon 720G. Has four gigabytes of RAM, sixty-four gigabytes of storage with expandable stuff. I don't believe you can play. Are they even allowing like Android games to play on this thing locally? Yeah, it's yeah. I, well, I wasn't clear on that, but like I don't even see, so. It's yeah, like, I don't see good GPU stuff here, so probably not. 
So really low, low, like not great spec handheld console for $350. And then if you want to take it on the plane, you really have to play games in the cloud. No, you're screwed. Get it? This is not a plane. This is not a plane system. Clouds. It's clouds. Get it? What's also funny is that you can, uh, <laughs> you can hack your Switch to, uh, to, to play cloud games too, which I have. I have an old Switch here since I upgraded to the OLED like a dum-dum, uh, which I'm just going to mess with at some point. Uh, I, do, I, I like Logitech. I like Logitech jumping into new things, and this is a unique idea. But the the goal now is to make like a little little device that can do everything, right? And Nintendo started that. There are a lot of like cheap um, cheap little handhelds from China, which can play all sorts of emulated games. And the Steam Deck is like really pushing it forward. This is like what what are we what are we doing? I don't know what in this hardware makes it cost seven three hundred and fifty dollars. We shall see. Any more thoughts here, Sherlyn? Like, would you rather you have a Switch? Would you yeah. at all be intrigued with this? Or like, you can cloud game on your Switch with some games. Like, some AAA games can be played over the cloud. Have you tried that yet? Nope. I I think I'd be more curious about the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck seems more like the device I should get if I were to go that way. I would love to see you hold a Steam Deck. Yes. I know. I hear. I hear. It's not. Yeah. Jess was. Jess and I were talking. I want. No. You know what I want is that um cranky one. <laughs> the crank one. The play date. <laughs> yeah. It? Thank I, you. Yeah. I have an order for the play date. I don't know where it is, but um. I do want. I do want to touch the crank. Should yeah. be fun. I want to play it games cute. with the crank. It's cute. It's very cute. Um, final story. Final quick story. Twitch is banning major gambling websites in October, and this is a whole long story that came about after uh, one one Twitch user basically admitted to scamming um, up to over two hundred thousand dollars from followers and friends to feed his online gambling addiction. So it's it's a whole thing. Um, some of the streamers, including Pokimane and Devin Nash, basically said like th- they got to do something about this. They threatened to boycott on Christmas week if uh, Twitch doesn't ban gambling streams and sponsorships. So the company has decided to deal with that. Um, how do you guys feel about Twitch and gambling? I mean, I think this is a kind of necessary move that they have to make because the gambling thing has been rampant on Twitch for a long time. Like back in the day, they used to do like the gambling skins for like CSGO gun skins and stuff like that. And so you, they just got to crack down on just like, it's, it was kind of like a wild, wild west, like free for all. Um, and so, and, and I think they were actually pretty specific about certain sites that are being uh, banned. And they said like, Hey, we're going to revisit this list um, in the future in case like more, you know, situations pop up. And so it's like, you know, Twitch has always, especially Twitch has had like a bad reputation for a long time about like just rules being implemented, but not being enforced. And so it's good to see them take a little bit of action in order to like, hey, we're going to, we're, we're putting our foot down. The st- stuff was getting out of control. There's got, there's got to be a limit somewhere. There's got, and it's potentially dangerous for people too. Like if you get really into this stuff, you can lose a lot of money. It can cause you to do, uh, yeah, crazy things. The sites, right. And, yeah. and people were donating money so they could, you know, see people spend money. And it's like you don't know what these people's financial situations it's, are like and all that. It's it's just rough. Um, gambling for entertainment. I don't I don't quite know about that. The, the sites. Hey, but- yeah. Go ahead. It's it's kind of the way things are headed, right? Because gambling apps and gambling like being legal now, the, the the increasing legality of gambling everywhere is going to make it a big thing. So I think we're seeing the first of like tech streaming companies or, or other such like Yahoo has a, like a gambling app, I think, coming up, right? Our parent company. So um, I, I think people see the potential to make a lot of money from this. And therefore, also people see potentially losing a lot of money from this, and and they're they're kind of worried. And I I I would love to see how other streaming services like maybe YouTube or something like that 
react to this in future because it's gonna it's gonna happen we're just yeah. racing for it it's like what is the motivation for people to stream this stuff like ultimately not a great thing and if you gather big of twitch audience or youtube gaming audience or something and you're it could be destructive to you or to your fans or people donating money so anyway the sites uh being banned include some of the most well-known ones like stake.com rollbit dual bits and rubit Dot com. I've never heard of these sites, but okay. I mean, neither. Yeah. I, awesome. I think some of these sites are also crypto gambling oh, sites great. as well. Love it. Love oh, it. so the best parts of the internet all coming together. Fantastic. Fantastic. It is funny. I, I did see some criticism here that Twitch was basically super fast to react to this. Uh, whereas Twitch has a lot of other issues around abuse mm-hmm, and audience mm-hmm, abuse against mm-hmm. the creators and creators of mm-hmm. color and women actually trans streaming games creators. and trans creators yep. and has done very much less to to kind of help protect those folks but when it comes to gambling or big money or when pokimane is like uh i'm gonna boycott mm-hmm. when it's a threat to their pocketbooks and they immediately react that is kind of funny i hope uh i hope twitch like does more to actually protect its users uh we'll be keeping an eye on this story for sure let's move on to what we've been working on um i'm, I'm doing a bunch of stuff guys there's too much going on right now uh, i'm testing some of the new amd chips uh i'm basically going to be rebuilding my computer soon so that's going to be happening uh i have a bunch of embargoed stuff over the next few weeks um so, so you know keep an eye out we're all super busy sherlyn what's up with you i have the apple watch ultra Woo! in we are finally it. yeah i know well yeah it's uh what, it's wait, a chunker of a watch, but it feels comfortable. This is I have the yellow loop on right now. Uh, the, Pika, the Pikachu yellow, yeah. okay. Pikachu yellow. I also received a different like a Velcroier loop. The the other one that they introduced. Um, I'm wearing the yellow one right now just because it's 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 Pikachu yellow. You're right. My Game Boy was this color. Uh, but the case itself is there's I don't think there's different colors. They're all this um silvery. Is it titanium? I forget. Um, and with the orange action buttons on them. So anyway, I'll be testing this out. Uh, taking it upstate on a little trip like a hikey thing um setting uh, like setting waypoints and tracking back have, and you, have you guys seen that show to... alone on netflix we're just gonna oh yeah we're gonna yeah, leave yeah, yeah. sherlyn alone in the middle of the woods and see what happens yeah it'll be perfect i can't wait to be left alone um i need, I need the behind the scenes on on this hikey thing. i really so i really will be walk, doing some behind the scenes yeah <laughs> you're gonna walk three feet into the forest freak out because there's a bug and then that's gonna be the end of the video is that a this rat is, fair. is that a rat I'll be like, oh my god if there's a rat yeah. i will be very pissed if there's a lantern fly i will be extremely pissed but <laughs> those are um, everywhere yeah those are everywhere so the, the, there's that i'm also still finishing up our full reviews of the apple watch se the apple watch series 8 and then we have other devices coming through uh that are also wearables that i can't talk about yet and then we have several upcoming events like next week we're all on deck for certain events and then the week after we've got you know prepping for google and all of that stuff y'all i can't catch a break there's, but there's so much. Yeah, Google, Microsoft, and then exactly. AMD. AMD was real cheeky about announcing their uh, their next event in uh, November for their new RDNA three stuff. Yeah, I li- yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I like how us. Uh, yeah, CJ by steps in the chat. It's like I want to steal Sherlyn's watch. Sorry, no. Uh- <laughs> it really yes. does look like you're walking around like a big steal me sign. You know. It's uh well I guess we'll see what happens with these we'll watches. See. You can try you can try. I will punch the watch and then I might punch something else. We'll see. Uh, Sam. Sam, what's up? What what are you working on? Uh I'm uh, reviewing the MSI Stealth 15M right now. It's you know 15 inch like kind of uh thin and like gaming PC. Um and then you know could definitely prepping for Google and Microsoft which is also having a Surface event that they just announced. Um, so yeah, uh, it's like, it's busy time of the year again. Busy time. It doesn't really end is the thing. Like we're going to be busy for a while and then we're going to be straight into like, oh, we're now preparing for CES. For so CES. We're going to be 
Uh, anyway. Uh, there's, there's so much happening, but hey, it feels like things are a little back to normal, too. Like, we, we are thinking about CES plans. We are seeing all these products come out. Um, less delays from people. Uh, we're still seeing delays from game developers and stuff, but in general, it seems like the tech industry is ready to wind back up. So means we're all yeah, I've had I, I had my first official meeting request for CES. Oh. And I'm like too soon, no. but I'll I'll listen. Oh man. I also want to shout out that I didn't get to cover this in person, but the Peloton Row is something that uh got introduced uh this week. Uh I was invited to go see it in person, but it coincided with I think one of the days I had to do an Apple shoot or something like that. So I couldn't make it, but I see coverage on other websites. I also wanted to point out that a rowing machine by Peloton isn't necessarily like our core coverage because I feel like most people, this is a $3,300 rowing machine you would buy in your fancy-ass mansion where you have an exercise room. Uh, we cover probably. Pelotons, unfortunately. So we that's, do cover that's what Pelotons, they are. this that's, is true, yeah. but this is not the highest priority on my list because I, when I use a rowing machine, I just use whatever's at my gym. I kind of want to use a rowing machine. They look cool. Oh, no. Yeah, well, you think so. I, I thought they would be easier than they like. Then I realized a trainer was telling me, you're doing it wrong. Then I was like, oh, he was like, do it this way. I was like, oh, my God, it's harder. So much harder. So much harder. Anyway. Okay. Let's uh, round and gather. We've got some stuff to highlight. Uh, Matt Smith reviewed iOS 16. He uh, gave it a really high score. Calls it Apple opens lock screen. And that is really the big thing. Like the widgets on the lock screen, I think are pretty great. I'm taking iOS 16 quite a bit. Um, another shout out for Billy's AirPods Pro 2 review. Or there's still just AirPods Pro, but Gen 2 technically. Um, but Yep, that's it. We've got a lot of stuff. Go check out the main site. Um, we've done a lot of coverage from all the game streams and stuff that happened. There's still some leftover stuff from Tokyo Game Sam Show. Sam also reviewed yeah. the Aces folding. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I that? took that on a vac. Uh, I took that on my vacation when I was, uh, you know, traveling throughout Europe, and I was surprisingly durable. I was like a lot of, especially when you have like a flexible screen that's that big. You kind of want to like, oh god, like treat it with like kid gloves. And I was like, I threw it in my backpack, like threw it in the airplane bins and stuff like that. It was actually surprisingly good, and you know I was able to like watch like She-Hulk uh, with my wife like in the terminal like waiting for our plane. It was like it was actually kind of wait like, how how were you watching solid. it? Did you like we watched it? We we watched it in tablet mode, so it was like this big, big screen, big screen, and wow. we, we like we were sharing it. So like half of it was on my lap, half of it was on her lap, <laughs> and it's like there's like huge letter boxes, and it's like. Like it, it, it's like awkward, but Are people I looking like at having you, a, like what what the hell is going on? Here? We got a, we got we got a couple. What kind of an iPad stairs, is like, this? Pe- yeah, people 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 like it wasn't like it was not computing that like this thing was bending in Are half. Are they just holding a um, monitor in their lap? What is happening? <laughs> and I should also mention I got searched uh, like that that thing got expected heavily uh, going through customs twice. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. So, yeah. yeah, they're like screens shouldn't move. What timeline are you from? Right. Where are you yeah, from yeah. the future? The, the TSA did not understand. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So check out Sam's review of that thing that was published this week, I believe. Yes. Yes. Let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. As always, Sherlyn has a surprise for us, and I am ready to be disappointed. Please. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know that you will like this, I, either of you. I don't, this I've feels been... like every week when we start. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I've been watching The Imperfects on Netflix. I don't. Which um, one is that? T- tell, tell us more. Yeah. The Imperfects is, I know none of the actors' names. It's this redhead boy, Dr. Wonder thing, who's is basically X-Men uh mutants with like but they're they're the results of like a scientific experiment gone wrong more or less uh someone's experimented them using uh because they have some kind of genetic 
thing called AGDS and uh, the synthetic treatment, the synthetic stem cells they were given has caused them to have all these like deviated powers and stuff like that. So one of them turns into a chupacabra. <laughs> uh, one of them is a banshee. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And one of them is a, uh, I forget the, the name for it, but she has like very strong pheromones that makes people fall and like fall for her. But as they, as the show progresses, their, their powers so-called change and evolve. So the Banshee person started with only hyperacusis. She started with like heightened sense of hearing and then eventually evolved into, she can also use her vocal cords to transmit like, you know, high frequency sounds to like break things and stuff like that. And I don't know what the Chupacabra is doing. They're literally all X Men powers, so yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, this it's is a this is a remake like, of X Men. I like how yeah. what this is clearly a sign of is that you were having superhero withdrawal. You were just like yeah. scraping everything on the floor to get hey, to get some superheroes now. Hey, this yeah. was on Netflix, and they were like, "You might like this," and I was like, "All yeah, right." Yeah, Netflix knows. Netflix <laughs> knows. Yeah, they know exactly what you like. But Sam, Sam, we got to watch uh, that. Wait, what was that show? Oh, the new um, Star Wars Andor or mm-hmm, something. I think mm-hmm. D-Man in yep, the chat yep. Cannot mentioned wait for it, Andor. I have not seen it. We have not gotten any early things because uh, it's hard to cover Star Wars stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, as a, as a longtime Star Wars fan, I'm very excited to see how that goes. Because I think still Rogue One, probably the most underrated um, Star Wars movie in like the last few years. There's a lot of good, even though like I feel like the editing is just really bad. Like it really, they chopped up that movie quite a bit. But yeah, there is Tony Gilroy, the guy who basically Shadow saved Rogue One. And directed large parts of it and like co-wrote it um, is behind this new Star Wars show. And I am. The I, reviews are great. I cannot wait. Yeah. yeah. I I really quickly want to shout out. And this isn't something that I, I prepped the team for. So uh, graphically, we might not have anything. But I did uh, get to speak with James Cameron actually last oh, week. Oh, just, um, just a little bit just casually uh for the upcoming nat geo slash disney plus series called super slash natural is actually the james cameron take on like a documentary show a nature documentary so it's basically like the david attenborough type of thing but uh made like a marvel movie right like imagine the nature documentary where you see like trees uh, flowers being pollinated or bees screwing each other, but like set to Avengers music <laughs> again, yeah. again, right up, right up your alley. Is it? Did you get to see the show? Like I have all the screeners okay. and everything. I, I I haven't. I've seen the trailer, <laughs> and it's pretty cool. Uh, I've I was starting to watch one of them, and I had to write more reviews. So uh, it, it, it's on Disney Plus, on uh, Disney starting Plus? I think September twenty first. So yeah, uh, it is always fun with, uh, to see like James Cameron. He's done a couple TV shows at this point, and Darren Aronofsky one of my favorite directors like they they are all over doing like nature shows and realistic stuff sometimes i just think it's like it's easy money for these guys like it just well the other yeah. thing is it ties very well with james cameron's whole thing of being an environmentalist and he really wants people to like love the world so that by making these shows if you think of them as you know your beloved marvel characters if you think a bee is your beloved iron man you might want to save the bees i save don't know the bees. i mean uh, this is, this is me i mean listen if you want a movie about saving the bees you should watch a uh, jupiter ascending that's it. Did oh, you ever see Lord. Jupiter Ascending? I have. That movie. I, I, I kind of liked it. Movie it rules. It's rough. It rules. It's so good. It's pretty good. It's, it's pretty, pretty good. good. It, it's, it's sort of like good. what if the makers of the what if the makers of the Matrix were like, let's do a YA novel for us, basically. Yes. That's well. That's kind of Sense Eight too. But yes, sure. Sense Eight's more 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 adulty. On to what I've been watching. I want to shout out a show. For that I think all of you would enjoy. See, when I do this, Sherlyn, I'm I'm giving you guys helpful tips of things no, you I'm may actually make. I'm just being honest. Make, I'm just being honest. Like service for trash. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to shout out industry 
on HBO Max. Oh, uh, yeah. This is a show about young uh, financial bankers and traders uh, set in London. Um, yeah. And it is really, it is sort of like of a piece with Succession. It is about people who are kind of broken and kind of like bad people who treat everybody awfully or all kind of selfish. But I think different than Succession, uh, this is a show about people who are basically at the bottom or like at the entry level not everybody's like super rich not everybody's like coming from a successful family and they're trying to claw their way into power and influence uh in this uh in this bank and what's interesting is that it is i think the characters are all really well done uh my hala herald plays harper stern who i think is one of the most intriguing main characters in the show right now because she is super selfish kind of a jerk like is often doesn't do the things you think a main character would do uh, but at the same time i think is really believable and really interesting this is a show about people who get way too into their work and it's about overworking and it's about like what the consuming nature of your job can do to you and your soul so i'm just gonna look over at Sherlin right now for no, wow. no reason at all i'm looking over at sam we're just looking at each other we're just like back and forth back and forth um I think the show is really cool. Like, it's really well written. The characters are super interesting. Sherlyn, you will binge the show. I, I actually Stop, know what you would like. I have like. so much stuff to binge already. You will sit back yes. and you will, like, binge the drama and the heartbreak and the sort of, like, these are young people trying to get into the professional world, basically. And th- there are some older folks around, too. Um, I think the characters are really, really well drawn. It's super compelling. It's also weird because this is a show where you i have no idea what is happening half the time like you know i follow tech stuff but once we get to the financial sides of things and you're talking about the the like a lot of like trader code words for things this show involves people just staring at bloomberg terminals sometimes and like that is the main action of it it makes the character's reaction to what's happening very parsable so i can understand that but the actual the the intricacies of what they're doing with stocks and trades and whatnot um no i have no clue what's happening but i think what the miracle of the show is that it's still good even though that stuff is kind of indecipherable for people outside of that industry so anyway show's really good it's really cool um great characters really well written trillin this is your new binge i guarantee it sam what's up with you the thing that I'm just dived into this week is Cyberpunk Edgerunners, oh, yeah. which is the the anime version, anime show inspired by the game. And I didn't really play the game that much, but I am loving this show so far. I think it's uh, incredibly well animated. The, like the color, if you like that like neon cyberpunk aesthetic, this show is like in, endlessly like just eye candy for your eyes. The soundtrack is great. Um, and it's directed by some uh, the guy who did Gurren Lagann and Kill a Kill. Yeah, and so yeah. it has it, that and vibe. It's yeah. a, and it's a, I think it's a Studio Trigger um, uh, animation too. So it's like the the quality is there, and it's like and they dive in like a hundred miles an hour, um, like right like the first thirty seconds, like you're into a fight scene, and it's like this thing is brutal. Like th- this is not like uh, an anime. I'm warning you right now. This is not an anime to watch with your kids. <laughs> it's like. It's it's very Studio gory trigger stuff and is often very very much not the stuff you watch with your kids. Yes, yeah, so yeah, it's very yeah, yeah very much in line with the, some of the previous stuff. But like it's uh it, it's just kind of an eye opener, and it's just like it's really it feels kind of refreshing in a way that is like especially if you like sci fi anime stuff, it's like right up your alley. Cool. Is this? I, I gotta ask. Is this like real anime or is this CG anime? It looks like real okay. anime. It doesn't look like cell shaded 3D stuff, but I, I could be wrong. Okay. The tech has gotten a lot better. Some of it um, has, but, but then some of it is like I did. I reviewed, um, was it the Witch, the Witch Ghibli movie? And good God, over in Gadget. 
an abomination. Like a lot of that was just full CG. But there's also some like the the ghost uh, the ghost in the shell most recent show, which is sort of like cell shaded. 3D CG anime. I'm like, oh my god, what are you guys doing? I, I don't know. This looks cool from what I'm seeing, actually. Yeah, and it has more of the look of, like, the old-school traditional hand-drawn anime, which is, like, you know, I love and I really appreciate Very it. Very yeah. cool. I think I'll check that out. Well, that's it for this week's episode, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. This podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter, and I podcast about movies and TV at the Filmcast at thefilmcast.com. And you can find Sam online at... At Sam Rutherford. And if you want to send me pictures of good food that's not Singaporean because I will crave, <laughs> I am at Sherlyn Lowe on Twitter. Email us your thoughts at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes, and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts.